number one this evening is your enemy hates you. Now, it seems like that should go without saying, right? We shouldn't have to tell people that your enemy hates you. But you know, many people go through life and they don't really understand that Satan is their enemy and that he's not just some cute little Halloween figure in a red suit with a pointed tail and horns, but that he's a vicious enemy who, in truth, hates you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now you know, I cannot read that verse uh, anymore without my mind taking me back to an experience that I had at the Port of Spain Zoo. How many of you have been to the zoo before? We were there, walking around, and I heard this, this noise that was just so loud. And we realized that the lion was roaring. And you could hear it all across the zoo. And I ran over to where the, um, the lion's den is there, and that lion was roaring right there in the cage until I was up close to the glass, you know, where I could feel the full power of that lion just roar, you know? And let me tell you something. When I was standing there, I thought to myself, I sure am glad this glass is in between me and that lion. I can't imagine what it would be like. You know, you hear stories about these people out in the jungles of Africa being stalked by a lion. I can't imagine the fear that would grip my heart to know that I was unprotected in an area where a lion could get to me. You know, that's the kind of image that the Bible uses to tell us who the devil is. Make no mistake tonight... The devil is real, he is your enemy, and he hates you. Young person, he wants to destroy your life more than anything. Do you think he wants you to grow up and be pure, and serve God, and live a life that's going to have eternal value? No, he doesn't. He hates you, and he wants to destroy your life. Seven books of the Old Testament talk about Satan and His reality. You know, there's some people that say that He doesn't exist. Let me tell you, if you've ever tried to serve God for any amount of time, you'll understand that He does exist. He is very real. He's mentioned in Genesis, 1 Chronicles, Job, Psalm, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah. Every New Testament author affirms His reality and activity. Christ's teaching also assumes and affirms the existence of Satan and His activity. Listen to this. In 25 of the 29 passages in the Gospels that talk about Satan, guess who's speaking? Jesus. 25 of the 29. You know why? Because He knew that that was the greatest hindrance to you living a life that would be of any eternal value and of, if you're not saved, of you making your way to find Him as your Savior. Jesus knew the reality of this horrible enemy that we have called Satan. You know, the Scriptures scriptures tell us a lot about Satan. And because of that, we have a great advantage over most people who wage a war. You know, most people, when they go into a war, they don't have all the intelligence regarding what the enemy is going to do. But listen, our commander, our leader, God Himself, Jesus Christ, He knows everything. He is omniscient. He knows everything about the devil. And so we have a distinct advantage in fighting our warfare. So even though we have a horrible enemy, we have a great advantage 
as the believer. But we have to tap into that God-given resource. And tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that, but one good way is right here. As you read the Word of God, you start to understand His tactics. You start to understand His strategies. As you pray and talk to God, God is able to give you information about what the enemy is doing and help you in your Christian walk. Now, there is a man named Sun Tzu. Well, let me go over this first. Erwin Lutzer said this about the devil. No matter how many pleasures Satan offers you, his ultimate intention is to ruin you. Your destruction is his highest priority. Young people, are you understanding what I'm trying to tell you tonight? The devil's real and he hates you. He wants to see you fall. He wants to see you stumble. He wants to see you taken out of the fight. Sun Tzu, this oriental general, thought to live in the 6th century BC. He is the one that's credited with authoring that great military treatise that is even taught in military academies today entitled The Art of War. Very influential in Chinese military and also in militaries across the world. It is hailed as the oldest military treatise in the world. Now I want you to hear what he said about warfare. He said, the more you read and learn, the less your adversary will know. Now this isn't a Christian, you understand this? This is just a military general who waged wars, who had observed how a person could wage a war and win it. He said, you want to win the war? you got to read. Because the more you read and learn, the less your adversary knows. As you increase your education, as you know more, then your adversary has less of an advantage over you. That's why it's so important, young people, for us to get into the Word of God, for us to pray and talk to God. Make no mistake, Satan is an intelligent being, and you and I should never underestimate him. But the more time we spend with God, the more advantage we will have over our enemy. Now tonight, as we talk about this topic, understand the whole reason why we're having this uh, resistance activity, the whole reason we're talking about this is because we want you to win your war against Satan. We want to, to bond together and fight him as believers, fellow believers, together. And listen to another thing that that same general said. He said, the reason that the enlightened prince and the wise general conquer the enemy whenever they move and their achievements surpass those of ordinary men is foreknowledge. So if you want to win a war, you need to know before it takes place what the enemy is going to do. That's why governments every year spend billions of dollars on intelligence. Why? Because they understand this principle that the way that you can win your war is to have foreknowledge, to have intelligence. And the way that we do that is by doing exactly what you're doing tonight, young person, by reading and understanding your enemy and understanding how he's going to try to attack you. As we look at this tonight, training objective is this. You must know your enemy. And someone can give us the light, so it would be hard for you to write in the dark. You must know your enemy. Turn over in your sword to Ephesians chapter 6. And if you did not bring your full sword, the dagger that we supplied you with in your packet will have this passage in it as well. Ephesians chapter 6. 
And I'm sure any of you that have been saved for any amount of time or grown up in church, then you probably have heard this passage before. But let's look at it and read it again. We'll read verse, verses 10, 11, and 12. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So a lot of times we think people here on earth, that that's our enemies, that's our problem. If that person would just stop doing... No. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Understand that tonight. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, what's interesting, that passage where it talks about in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't use that word a lot anymore, wiles. I remember watching a cartoon when I was a kid, Wiley Coyote. You know, you ever watch Coyote and Roadrunner, right? He was wily because he was tricky. But you may wonder where that word comes from. The Greek word that is translated wiles is methodia. that sound familiar? It's where we get our word method from. So what we're being told here, that we may be able to stand against the methods of the devil. That's why we're encouraged to put on this whole armor of God so that we can stand against his methods, his wiles. Now, that same Chinese general that I was telling you about, he said something else in his treatise on war that applies very much so to our enemy, Satan. And soldiers, this is what he said. All warfare is based on deception. Now, you may have heard that in the Word of God, our enemy is referred to as the deceiver, right? And that is how he's going to attempt to destroy you. That's how he's going to attempt to wage war against you. That's his method to lie and to deceive you. He will make things look like they're one thing, but really, they're not. So you need to understand that that is how the devil works. All warfare is based on deception. That passage which talks about him as the deceiver. Revelation chapter 20, verses 2-3, through three, it says, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent. Listen to the way that the devil is described here. That dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. He's a deceiver. He's deceptive. He's talked about as the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan. And you know what? All of those titles that are given to him throughout the Word of God, they give some idea as to what his methods are as to how it is that He's going to try to attack each and every one of us. Think about those. The dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan. I want you to hear what Rari says about this. He says, The variety of names that Satan has alerts us to the fact that he can attack his opponents in a variety of ways. From the fierceness of a dragon to the attractiveness of an angel of light. That's over in 2 Corinthians. It talks about him that way. Satan can adapt himself and his tactics to suit the person and the occasion. So he'll look at you and he'll study you and he'll make the temptation just tailor-made just to destroy you. He'll figure out exactly what it is that your weaknesses are and then he'll put together the bomb especially for you so that you'll come right in and then boom, it will explode 
in your face. I want you to understand your enemy, he hates us. He can come with the attractiveness of an angel of light, the fierceness of a dragon, the subtlety of a serpent. That's how he'll come. That's his methods. That's the way that he will come at you. And so number one, in order to wage this war, verse 11 says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles, wily, method, his strategy, right? So if you want to win the war, first you've got to know his ways. You've got to know how it is that he's going to come at you. And understand tonight, he doesn't always fly in on vampire bat wings, right? And go, it's me, the devil. All right? Understand that sometimes he's disguised as an angel of light. It may look like something very good. In fact, more often than not, I know at least in my life, that is how he's disguised himself. He knows if he comes with some craziness that's obvious in the Word of God, I'm not going to go for that. But he knows exactly, he'll tailor make his bomb for me just like he will for you. Young person, it's important that you know his ways. It's all about deception. Now, let's talk about his strategy. His method, His ways. Satan's strategy for unbelievers is to blind them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, Paul is talking here, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world... Now there's another description of Satan, and that should give us a little idea as to how much power he has here on this earth. He's talked about as the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ to save you, you're not sure how you feel about all this religious stuff and giving your life to Jesus and being a Christian, listen, this is right where you're at. And that's what the devil's doing. He's using everything he can to blind you and make you doubt and make you say, oh, that's not real. That's just fairy tales. He's doing everything he can just to keep you from the glorious light of the gospel. Now, I want you to know something tonight. The reason why we have events like this, Pastor Eric, myself, our church, we've been praying for this event tonight. We've been praying for you. I've been praying that the teenagers that God sent to us that He would prepare your heart. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm hoping that tonight with the influence of prayer and other believers here gathered among us, maybe, just maybe, that Satan's power will be pulled back for just a moment and maybe you can catch a glimpse of that glorious light And I hope that if you see that tonight, that you won't allow Him to continue to deceive you and blind you, but that you'll go ahead and make your decision and say, yeah, Pastor Jimmy's right. We're fighting a war. We've got a real enemy. And I'm going to get on the winning team. I'm going to join the resistance. I'm going to start fighting against this enemy called Satan. If you're here tonight, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You're not sure how you feel about this Christian thing. Listen, this is where you're at. The devil is blinding you to the glorious light of the gospel. But I pray tonight he won't, you won't let him blind you anymore, but that you'll come and give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and let the glorious light of the gospel break through and come into your life. Satan 
His strategy for unbelievers is to blind them. But maybe you're here tonight and you're a Christian. And you say, oh, well, Pastor Jimmy, I've already seen the glorious light of the Gospel, so I'm good. I wanted to tell you a little bit about His strategy for you. His strategy for you is not to blind you. You've already seen the glorious light of the Gospel, but here's what He wants to do to you. He wants to bait you. He'll study you. Just like an ambush predator, a lion, right? From the from the weeds in the African uh, savanna. He'll watch. Watches the moves. And then when the time is right, jumps out with that roar and boom, takes the animal completely by shot. That's how the devil works. He wants to bait you. He'll draw you in close till you're close enough where he can make his strike. And then he'll destroy your life. James chapter 1, 14 and 15 gives us some vital information. Young person, get this. If you're saved tonight, you need to really focus on this. Zero in and understand this tonight. Because this is where the battle's won. I'm telling you from personal experience. I'm a pastor, but I've, I've, I've won some battles and I've lost some battles. And I can tell you, every time I've lost the battle is because I didn't have this in mind. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. The devil made me do it? Uh Uh-uh. He just used what was already there. Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now I want you to understand, any time you follow Satan's way and turn your back on God's way, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. You will cheat yourself on the best that God has for you every time, no matter how small the decision is, every time you make a decision for Satan instead of Christ. You will see that death and destruction and those things take place in your life. Satan's strategy for the believers is to bait them. I like what St. Ambrose said. He said, The devil's snare does not catch you unless you are first caught by the devil's bait. And what is the bait that he'll use? Our own lust. And so young people tonight, it is so important that you get close to God and you make sure that those things that would not be pleasing to the Lord, that you don't allow those to grow and get bigger in you because then Satan will use those lusts to set the bait and to set the trap for you. Satan provides options. Here's what I'm saying tonight. Satan provides options, but the choice to sin is ours. Every time that you have ever sinned, it was your choice, right? There's no such thing as, I sinned, but I didn't mean to do it. No, this is the definition of sin. It's when you choose to do wrong. To him that don't know it to do right, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right? It's you know to do right and you choose wrong one. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll look back at all the times when you slipped and messed up. It wasn't because you didn't know. It was because you wanted to do the wrong thing. Right? That's why we have to realize the choice is ours. He can't make us sin. I love this illustration. It says, One of the hardest animals to catch is the ring-tailed monkey of Africa. For the Zulus of that continent, however, it's simple. They've been catching this little animal for years, easily. The method that the Zulus, that primitive tribe, use is based on the knowledge of that animal. The trap is nothing more than a melon that grows on a vine. The seeds of that melon are a favorite of that monkey. 
So knowing this, they'll cut a hole in that melon just large enough for the monkey to put his hand in and reach and grab the seeds. So he can put his hand in and grab the seeds, but the hole is not big enough for him to pull his hand out with the seeds in his hand. And did you know that that monkey will sit there attached to that gourd, they'll tie a rope on it, tie it to the tree, right? He will sit there caught by that gourd and the hunter will walk right up to him, cut the gourd loose and take that monkey away and all along all that monkey would have to do is let go of the seeds and pull his hand out. It's crazy, isn't it? But don't we do the same thing with the devil? He draws us away of our lust. He entices us. And then we grab it. And we hold on. And if we'll just simply resist Him, if we'll just simply let go, tell Him, no, that's not what we want, then we're free. But we will sit there and hold it and allow our lives to be destroyed. Listen, tonight, young person, you need to understand His ways. You've got to know how He's going to come at you. Not only that, you need to know His weapons. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So understand, we've got, we've got right, mock machine guns and you know, big guns and stuff like that. But the war that we're fighting... Right? It's not going to be fought with those kind of weapons. Of course, Pastor Eric, you couldn't do much fighting with these weapons anyway, right? But the kind of war that we're doing is not done with a gun. Not done, we were boxing before the service tonight, right? Not, not done with fists. It's not done with kicks or kung fu or anything like that, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, actually, the weapons we're fighting with, much bigger than a machine gun. Uh, much bigger than any kind of ordinance that might be dropped in a war. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I want you to understand tonight three basic weapons that our enemy will carry against us. 1 John 2.16 tells us that for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Listen, those are the three areas in which He will attack you. Turn over, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And the same thing that He throws at us today is what He has been throwing at mankind since the beginning of man way back in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3 chronicles the fall of man. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw all right, that the tree was good for food, that is the lust of the eyes, and that it was, excuse me, when she saw that it was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So in other words, she saw that it was good for food, right? It would satisfy her fleshly desire. It was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desired to make one wise. The pride of life. Those three elements, those three basic weapons 
that the enemy was using way back there in the Garden of Eden, guess what? That's the same three that he will throw at you today. That's how they will come. It'll be the lust of the flesh. It'll be the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. So look, guard, guard that flesh. Don't allow fleshly desire, sensual pleasure, right? To, to control your life. Don't allow that. I mean, now, we understand that, that life, life is all about senses, right? I mean, we hear, we see, we experience. But I want you to understand what the enemy will try to do is that he will try to get you to satisfy those senses in a way that goes against what God has said to do. Yeah. And you know why God has said not to do it? Because when we fulfill our desires that way, it destroys us. It turns out bad for us. Yeah. We're hurt. We're destroyed. And things happen. But the, the enemy, he will try to make us think that that is the right way, that that's the best way to do it. And listen, young person, you've got to make up your mind. Make up your mind tonight that you're not going to listen to him, that you're not going to de- let him deceive you, but that you're going to take God at His Word and understand that God has the best way. Yeah. Any, any sin that we are tempted to do, I mean any sin, do you hear me? God has a better thing than that. Always. Whatever it is that you see that you think, oh, you know, I wish I wasn't a Christian because I can do that, that is a, that's a lie of the devil. Correct. It's a lie of the devil. You just think that it's something good, but when it's really played out, and I can tell you from experience, some personal and some from watching other people's lives, they, they think that that is the right thing to do. They think that, you know, oh, if I, was, if I wasn't a Christian, then I could do this. Listen, that those ways are destructive. Whenever we go against the Word of God, it's never good. The pleasure may exist for a season, but listen, the consequence, you'll not want to pay it when that time comes. Understand that God's way is always best. And whatever it is that the devil is tempting you to do, God has a right way for you to fulfill that desire. And if you will wait on His timing and you will trust in Him, He will give you something better than the enemy could ever give you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Paul Harvey tells a story about an Eskimo, how he kills a wolf. It's kind of rough, all right? The Eskimo will take his knife up in the cold regions, right? He'll coat that knife blade with animal blood. And then he'll allow that to freeze. Then he'll go, once that layer has frozen, he'll add another layer, and another layer, and another layer. And then what he'll do, he'll go and take that knife and stick it out in the snow, blade up. Now, the wolf has a great sense of smell. Even that frozen blood, it can track it down and find What's making that sin? And so the wolf will come to that blade that has the frozen blood on it. And he will begin to lick that blade. And it tastes good. It's animal blood. That's what the wolf desires. And he keeps going, licking that blade. Pretty soon, he gets through all the blood that has been frozen on the knife. And that blade begins to slice very thinly the wolf's tongue. And then he starts to taste warm blood. Ooh, this is good. And he keeps licking that knife. And when the Eskimo comes, he'll find the wolf dead next to the knife. Why? Because he bled to death drinking his own blood. You understand that is what the devil wants to do to you. He will use your own lust, 
your own desires to destroy you. And you will go after those things and you'll think, ooh, this is good. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Oh, yeah, the Bible. Oh, that's, that's nonsense. And listen, when the consequences come through, you'll be just like that wolf. You'll be destroyed. The enemy will have you in his grips and he will destroy your life. Young person, I am begging you tonight, understand that you've got a real enemy. Know his weapons. But then lastly, soldiers, tonight, I want you to know his weakness. There's some good news tonight. Now, Satan, he is a created being. There's some passages in Ezekiel that um, tell us history regarding the devil. We find out that he is actually an angel, right? He was one of God's highest angels. And then he decided that he was going to go against God. And at that time, the devil fell. And the Bible tells us that he took a third of the stars of heaven with him. So a third of the other angels that were in heaven joined Satan's demon forces. That's who we fight against today as the resistance. So he's a created being. I want you to understand, it's not like two gods, right? Like we have our God and then Satan. No, he's a created being. And so he is subject to God. Right? That's his weakness. Now, I want to look at a passage with you. Turn over. This is our key verse. James chapter 4. Turn there so you can see it. James chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and He will flee from you. You understand that this is His weakness. Anytime He comes to us with an offer, if we resist, He has to flee. Now, just just think about that. I know some of you guys play, uh, play football, right? What if you were playing a game and the opposing team, anytime they came to try to get the ball from you, all you had to do was look at them and say, Stop and they'd have to stop. How easy do you think the game would be then? Pretty easy, right? Because anytime they come, you just say, hey, stop, 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 right? And you'd kick it right in the goal. Well, I want you to understand tonight, that is how our war is against the devil. When we resist him, he must flee. That, indeed, tonight is his weakness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, and we're going to talk about this in depth tomorrow night, so I hope you can come back. We're going to look at Job as a case study because there in the first part of the book of Job, there's some wonderful things that we learn in regarding our strategy of fighting against the devil. So you come back tomorrow night and we're going to look at the rules of engagement. We're going to look at three rules that the devil always has to abide by when he fights against us, alright? But that's tomorrow night. But I want you to understand, we need to attack his strategy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Do you understand what this passage is telling us? Anytime we want to win, we can, if we will simply resist the devil. 
The only time He wins in our life is when we allow Him to. If we resist, He has to flee. No temptation taken you, but such as common to man. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Here's our last statement I want you to get. We can attack the strategy of Satan by capitalizing on his weakness. When he, we resist, he must. He must flee. And there is always a way of escape. Use it. I love Aesop's fables. Some of you have heard me tell this one before. A lion demanded the daughter of a woodcutter in marriage. The father, unwilling to give his beautiful daughter to this lion, yet afraid to tell the lion no because of uh, the severity of this lion, fearful that he might be attacked by the lion, he expressed his willingness to accept the offer of the lion as suitor of his daughter on one condition. So you understand the father's problem, right? He loves his daughter. He sure doesn't want to give her to wife of a lion, but he's afraid if he says no, the lion will attack him and kill him. So he says that he's willing to allow his daughter to marry the lion under one condition. If the lion will allow him to take off all his teeth and to cut off his claws because his daughter is afraid of his sharp teeth and his sharp claws. So if he will... Uh, just allow that to be done, he will then give his daughter to be married to the lion. Cheerfully, the lion assented to the proposal, but when he came back, toothless and clawless, the woodman, who was no longer afraid of him, set upon him with his club and drove the lion away into the forest. Why? Because no one's afraid of a toothless, clawless lion. Now, I want you to understand something tonight. Our adversary, the devil, he may seem very vicious. He is very real. But when it comes to our war against him, he is a toothless lion if we will just resist. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, has destroyed all of the power that he has over us. Once we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. The power of sin is destroyed in our life. He is a toothless lion. But you know as well as I do, where the battle lies is when we don't resist. When we give in to our attacker and we allow him to destroy our life. I want you to understand that you can win. Whenever we are tempted, there is always a way to escape. All we have to do to stop being trapped by sin is just resist the devil. One last illustration for you tonight. This is in your book on on the field manual under closing remarks. Since our enemy is a spiritual enemy, some might wonder how we go about knowing how to fight him. This story from World War II concerning General C. Patton will help us see it a little more clearly. Patton's troops and tanks were engaged in a successful counterattack of German forces under General Erwin Rommel. Patton is reported to have shouted in the thick of battle, I read your book, Rommel. I read your book. And that he did. In Rommel's book, Infantry Attacks, the famed Desert Fox carefully detailed his military strategy. And Patton, having read it and knowing what to expect, planned his moves accordingly. Now do you understand? Rommel 
had written a war strategy book. And then the countries went to battle. Patton read the book. And because he had read Rommel's book, he knew exactly what kind of strategy Rommel would use against him. And so he planned his counterattacks in a way that would allow him to win. The, the illustration goes on. It says, Satan has authored no book, but God has fully exposed our enemy's tactics in His holy word. Study it. Plan your defense. The key to defeating the devil is understanding how he works. And the secret to that is in reading about him in the word of God. Listen, I hope you'll make a point tonight to continue to come and be a part of the resistance meetings and that you'll make a commitment to learn everything that you can about your enemy. I hope you'll go home tonight, take your sword and take your field manual and look up some of the passages that we talked about tonight and read them again and just ask the Lord to help you put those things into action so that you can fight a good fight against your enemy, Satan. I hope that you'll take it seriously tonight and understand that we have a real enemy and your enemy indeed hates you.